everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold. Part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Kane's Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Cane's Corner Podcast. Adam Gold's here with a little bit of a sinus infection, so I apologize. Thank you very much for uh, for putting up with me. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at AluminumCompany.com. A lot of things we're going to talk about today. Brian LeBlanc of Cane's Country is going to join us. He's the managing editor. He's been uh, covering the Hurricanes for a long time. Uh, he knows the team. He knows the league. He knows all stuff like that. He knows uh, about uh, the mechanisms and ca- salary cap and uh, player rules and all that. So uh, certainly more than I do. Uh, so we'll talk to him about a number of things, including uh, Jesper Faust, who was the big free agent signing by the Hurricanes uh, three years, $6 million total. Uh, we'll talk about the bevy of uh, two-way contracts that were signed, including Stephen Lorenz and Clark Bishop. Uh, we'll, I mean, I don't think we're going to get too too much in the weeds there, but I think there's probably something to talk about with Stephen Lorenz, don't you? Uh, and uh, we'll talk about the makeup of the roster, whether or not they need a goaltender. Uh, we'll talk about Justin Williams' retirement. So all of that is coming ahead uh, with Brian LeBlanc of Canes Country. Down the road, uh, probably going to be an as-needed. So if you uh, subscribe to this podcast, it will show up when a new one is produced. Uh, but there'll be emergency podcasts. We'll... Uh, uh, you know, if, if the NHL makes news as a league, here's where we're going to start. I know they talked about starting on uh, January 1. I think that is aspirational. I think ultimately we're going to be talking about the middle of January, maybe the end of January into beginning of February before they start. They talk about playing 82 games. I don't think they're going to play 82. Keep this in mind because NBC is the rights holder. They need to be done before the Olympics start. So, any con- any season that the NHL puts out there needs to be finished probably by the end of May at the latest. Ideally, the week before May is over. So, in my brain, the league starts, oh, let's just say January 15th, and you play what amounts to uh, four months of a regular season, four games a week, and you play a 64-game schedule, and then the playoffs begin. And then you can get an entire normal NHL playoffs in and be done before July is over. And then you fold right into the Olympics. And that doesn't damage the next season too much. And maybe it doesn't uh, doesn't even de- delay the start at all. You could start as normal uh, in the beginning of October. But maybe you push it back, uh, you know, three three weeks max. Uh, but that's what I think ultimately will happen to the NHL. Now, uh, as for uh, how many fans you're going to let in, 
I mean, uh, the the Rona ain't going to be gone uh, in the mi- middle of January. Rona's going to be with us uh, probably until July. Uh, we're not that close to getting a vaccine uh, and herd immunity is a pipe dream. So don't don't even think about that. Cause I, so I think we're going to be dealing with some restrictions in arenas. Uh, maybe we'll have fans, but I don't think we're going to have a ton of them. Anyway, with all of that said, we got stuff to talk about with regards to the Carolina Hurricanes. So without further ado, my friend Brian LeBlanc, managing editor of Canes Country, joins us. As I said in the open that you clearly did not hear, uh, this is the second time. The, what's I absolutely heard. I heard every word of it. Did you really? You liar. Yeah. Uh, this is the second time that you have done a podcast with me in the last, oh, I don't know, month, two months. Uh, and like for the second time, uh, a uh, a guest who was supposed to be on with us has blown us off. So I am going to assume that you're the problem. I mean, it's a safe assumption. Let's be honest. I mean, the the, the easiest solution is always the most likely. So that, you, you know, know what? I, I I I should I should really adhere to that theory more often than I do. <laughs> I'm always trying to find the inner meaning. So, but in it's, this case, it's, it's, maybe. It's Maybe the, right. Maybe the simplest solution is the right solution. All right, so yeah. I'm, as I, again, as I did in the open, as you already know, uh, I want to run down the recent blockbuster signings of the Hurricanes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Steven Lorenz, two-year deal, uh, two, uh, two-way deal both, the, both years. Uh, Spencer Smallman, he's been re-upped. Uh, Clark Bishop, uh, he has been re-upped. Uh, Hurricanes fans actually know who Clark Bishop is because he's shown up. Uh, played, what, 12 games maybe as a uh, Hurricane already? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Joakim uh, Ryan, uh, free agent, uh, two-way deal. How many times are you going to call him either Joakim Nordstrom or Derek Ryan? Uh, can I just Joakim- tell you that I wrote down uh, before uh, before we started here, I wrote down Ryan Joakim. <laughs> I swear to you I did. Uh, they also signed one of their second-round picks, Vasily uh, Ponomarov. I have no idea if I pronounce his name right, but we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll see him in the minor leagues. Uh, okay, we'll get to the real to the real one. Jesper Foss was signed. We're going to talk about what? I want to pause on this for just a second. I think it's notable that Steve Lorenz got a two-year deal. Guys like that don't usually get a two-year deal. We're going to so talk about him. I'm setting the table here. Don't well, don't sit down to eat before the table is finished being set, Brian LeBlanc. Well, it sounded like you were just going to move on from no, no, it. We're going to get back to it. All right. Jesper Faust signed mm-hmm. uh, a free agent contract, and we're going to talk about him too. We're going to talk about him before we talk about the minor leaguers. But we are going to talk about Steven Lorenz because I agree with you. It is notable that he got a two-year deal, and we'll talk about it. Uh, and we're also a little bit later on, uh, going to talk about the uh, the one and only Justin Williams who announced his retirement. Uh, we'll look at the rosters and things like that uh, as well. But let's talk about Jesper Faust, who uh, has spent his entire NHL career with the New York Rangers uh, and is a very good player. A little bit, uh, you know, a little over six foot. Plays a physical game. If uh, if we judge hits, if hits are even a thing. 
Uh, he would have been second on the Hurricanes, only behind Jordan Stahl last year in hits. Uh, the Hurricanes only had three players who had more than 100 hits on the season. Uh, one of them just signed a four-year contract with, Cana- with the Canadiens. The others are Jordan Stahl and Andrei Svechnikov. So your thoughts on Jesper Faust? Um, couple thoughts. First off, I think it's a great signing. I think it's a good price point. Um, I think he's a difficult guy to play against as the hurricanes well know he's a, he's a member of the Ole Okunen hall of fame, uh, guys that are middling to good scores in the league that just go gangbusters when they play the hurricanes. So, right. uh, good, good for them for getting rid of a member of the Ole Okunen hall of fame by signing him. Um, should they, like should the- they go out and sign Tyler Johnson too? Uh, hey, you know, he's not, he was on waivers. So sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. while you're at it, uh, why don't you, uh, and get Zabinajad because he's another member of that Hall of Fame. Well, that guy, uh, that guy is unfortunately not available. No, he's not. I'd like if he was, but he's not. Um, I love this move. I really do. I think, uh, you know, not just because of the price, but because of the role he plays. Um, uh, Andrew Schnitger, who uh, is my compadre at Kane's Country, um, made the point, and I absolutely sign on to this a checking line consisting of Jordan Stahl. Bost and Warren Fogel is a line that nobody in the league want to go up against. Right. I think a phenomenal checking line and you're going to get Fogel on a good deal. I mean, he's a restricted free agent. He's going to get a raise, but it's not going to be outlandish. Stahl is what he is at this point. We all know it. It's, you know, his deal is again, it is what it is. There's no, there's no use really complaining about it because he provides more than just production on that deal. I mean, you know, everything he does and, Jesper Foster, two million a year. Yeah, sign me up. You know, give me yeah. give me fifteen goals. Uh, give me a guy who is one of the best defensive wingers in the league. I think he's probably not on the Mark Stone level, but I think he's probably the next level down from that. Stone's making six and a half, and you're getting Foster two. Yeah, absolutely, I'll take that. Um, I think it's just a perfect signing for the Hurricanes, and I think you know I know we're going to talk about Williams in a bit, but I think he slides right into that Williams type role, not necessarily in terms of leadership, although I think he does bring some of that yeah. too. In terms of style of play, I mean, I think Hurricanes fans are really going to like watching him um, the same way they liked watching Justin Williams when he was at his finest. All right, uh, I, I do not want to sell Jesper Fast short, so I want to talk about him as a different player maybe than you are uh, imagining his role because here's a, he played with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom last year for a ton uh, and was a pretty important part of why that line was so good. So I don't know that uh, putting him with Jordan Stahl and a Warren Fogle, I'm not sure that's an entirely uh, efficient use of his skill set. He is a great defensive player. There's no question about that. And he brings a physical element. But if I'm the Hurricanes, I want a physical element with other players. So mm-hmm. I don't know exactly where Jesper Faust is going to slot uh, because we're silly like this. We always like to think about line combinations, even though the head coach always says, I don't know why you guys waste your time doing that because uh, he mocks us. And, and when I just have casual conversations with Rod, uh, he goes, why do you do that? It's just it's a waste of your time. Uh, <laughs> but I actually I would like to see Faust play up. I think ultimately he's the third line player, but he plays a style 
that plays up, much like Michael Furlan did a couple of years ago. And I'm not comparing Foss the player to Furlan the player because uh, I don't think Foss quite has Furlan's skills as an offensive player because Furlan does have offensive skills. He just can't stay in the lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Foss can play up. So he could make a, yep. uh, I'm not saying a top line better, but he could because he did play with Panarin and Strom, and that's basically their top line. But he could make a top two, you know, a top six line better uh, with his presence. So my question is, uh, and I know we're going to get into lines a little bit later on, I guess, but is it possible that they are thinking about Martin Natchez sliding over and playing the middle in, in his second full season? I mean, that might be a thought. Uh, because there are, unless they go out and get another center, I am just not sold that Vincent Trocek is a second center on a team that contends for the top four in any conference. I could see that, and I think that the long-term goal is to have Natchez at center. Um, we, you know, we're, we're kind of going down the same path we went down with Sebastian Ajo two years ago, um, where Rod didn't want to move him to center to start with, and then kind of had his hand forced um and obviously look where look where it ended up it was fine right um you know i i i sort of agree with you on trocheck but i'm not really sure because he's one of those tweener guys that i think you're probably right on a really good team he's probably not a second line center but i think he's too good for the third line so i'm not really sure where he fits but i think he's going to fit somewhere um i could i could see that but you know, what, what Foss gives you, and to your point about him being probably having more offensive touch than maybe I gave him credit for, um, he's kind of your Swiss Army knife in a way, where I think he could fit in just about anywhere and, and contribute. Um, and that's a really, really convenient thing to have for, for Rod to be able to plug him in basically on any line right. and have serve any role. Um I don't know if they'd want to start with that. I could see that maybe as a, as kind of a break glass sort of thing. Like, you know, we know that Rod didn't like putting together um, Aho, Turbo, and Svechnikov last year. But when he did, you know, it was kind of a break glass in case of emergency, and they just went off. Um, I, I kind of see this maybe not quite with those types of results, but almost in the same way where if you're Rod, I think you probably – don't want to move Natchez to the middle um, because he's still not, he's not great on faceoffs. I don't think he's quite there yet defensively. He was getting better over the course of last year, but I don't think he's quite where Rod wants him yet. Um, but I think that in the long term plan, that's probably true. And I think if they do that, then yeah, I think Faust probably does have a place in the top two and kill in, on the top two lines and killing penalties. Um, but that's, you know, they've got him for three years. I think probably at some point, uh, for a decent length of time during those three years, he will be a winger. I think he's probably, or he will be a top six winger. I mean, top two winger. Um, I think probably he starts maybe a line down plus some penalty kill time yeah. and just kind of see where things go. Cause, cause you know, Rod's a, Rod's a pretty pragmatic guy. I mean, it's not like he's gonna, um, you know, deny what he sees right in front of him. So if that's what he sees and he thinks that's where, you know, the most convenient place for him and the most effective place for him is, I don't think he'll hesitate to put him there. And I could absolutely see a scenario where he plays top six minutes. I, but first of all, I think you're right about basically everything you said about Natchez. He really isn't ready to be a center. Uh, I'm just trying. I, I just look at 
and I don't want to use necessarily Boston or Tampa as the measuring stick, but damn it, if they're not the measuring stick. Uh, right. I and, mean, if, and if you're not why, as good as them. Why then, not use them as right. the Tampa Family Cup and Boston could have won it last year? Or, you know, Washington or Philadelphia. I mean, these are these are these are the teams you're trying to get past. Uh, yep. And I'm not even talking about in the playoffs because you never know what happens in a playoff. But in the regular season, you don't want to be the wild card again. You, you, right. you, you want to finish first or second in the uh, in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, so when I look at the uh, the Hurricanes down the middle and I see Ajo, okay, uh, number one center, taken care of. And then I pair up who Trocek would play opposite, whether it's, and I know uh, Boston and Tampa are both in the Atlantic, but, uh, you know, Krejci or who's Tampa's second line center, Stamkos? Yeah, probably. When he's healthy, when right? Okay, yeah, when he's so, healthy. Trocek doesn't, Trocek's not close to either of Krejci or Stamkos. Uh, and uh, what was I, and I think when, when Stamkos isn't healthy, their second setter is Anthony Sorelli, and right. I don't think Trocek is there either. I agree with that. So, okay, that's the Atlantic. Now you go to the uh, to the Metro where Carolina lives. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh until a trade, it's uh, Malkin. No, uh, no shot for Trocek. And then and with Washington, uh, who is it, Oshi? Uh, yeah. Was Oshie a winger? I mean, look. I think, oh, the winger. Um, it's Kuznetsov, isn't it? Or or Eller? I mean, look. Maybe Trocheck is uh, is the equal. It's probably uh, equal to or better than Eller. Uh, but I just I just see Vincent as a notch below the best team's number two centers, and uh, ultimately where you want to get to. You have to be better down the middle. I also think that we're, if we're not already there, and I kind of think we're already there, that Jordan Stahl to me is nothing more than a checking center. He's yeah. not going to produce anything more than thirty points in a given season. Uh, so, yeah. and if that, right? Uh, so you're, you're talking about somebody who uh, takes a lot of, you know, as many defensive zone draws as you can, uh, checks. Uh, another team's top line about half the time because you have to let you have to let your best play. Uh, and if it's Trocheck, if Trocheck is number two center, he's a good defensive player. I think Trocheck's a really good all around player. I just don't see him as a good second line guy on a, a team that is a contender. Um, so maybe at this point stalls uh, four, and you're still looking for another center either way. Uh, I don't think Geeky's ready to play. Uh, no. major NHL minutes. I actually think that Geeky's going to end up playing in uh, in Chicago in the AHL for another year. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think that I think that was kind of written to the stars when uh, when Foss was signed. Honestly, because that's that's the roster spot he's taken up. To be perfectly honest, I mean it's not the same position, but yeah, I mean you're you're not gonna you're not gonna stick Geeky in the you know the. <laughs> the TBR Memorial uh, seventh defenseman slash thirteenth forward role, right. and just have him sit. Um, he's going to be playing eighteen minutes a night in Chicago, um, pretty much all year. I, I honestly, I might be surprised if he even comes up. Um, oh no, I, I think he'll play. I think he'll play a fair amount uh, in a Hurricane sweater. But you know, I I could see him playing fifteen twenty games because um, he's going to be the first center up. He's too smart yeah. a player. Rob trusts first- him. Yeah, 
So, yeah, he'll be the first call up. And Clark Bishop, probably. Uh, we'll, we'll get into those minor league deals in a second. But I'm still trying to hash through uh, what this uh, what the NHL team is going to look like. And, I, you know, part of me still hopes that there is something of a trade uh, that is, uh, you know, it, working its way through the recesses of PNC Arena uh, to bring in, uh, you know, at least a middle a middle six center, somebody who can play center. Uh, so whether it's Trocek plays in the second line or somebody uh, who is as good as Trocek uh, plays in the third line, regardless. Uh, I know Rod loves having two right-handed centers. Right now, uh, Geeky is the second right-handed center. Nobody else uh, in the organization is a good enough center to play NHL hockey who's a righty. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some of these minor leaguers for a second. Uh, and we'll kind of gloss over Spencer Small, but who's really just a depth guy. Clark Bishop is a good depth piece for your organization. He's not going to light anybody on fire. He'll play good defense. He'll give you good energy. He'll center your fourth line uh, if you need him. Uh, the you know the second round pick, the Russian kid, uh, has a bright future, but he's not not going to play in the NHL for a few years. Um, yeah, so I don't think I don't think he's eligible for the AHL either. I know. I think he is. I think he's. Uh, that's why they signed him, I believe, because I believe he's. Uh, he'll be. He's already nineteen, or will be nineteen. I think he'll be able to play in the AHL. I think that I was. You, you got to be twenty. I don't know what by what date. Oh, maybe um, not. You might know the rules better than I do, but I thought he was eligible no, for the AHL. There's no, I think it, if he was drafted out of Russia. Then yes, but because he was drafted out of the queue, I believe he has to go back for a year. So that contract will slide. See, I, I don't. I I probably need to learn the rules more. <laughs> All right, so Brian LeBlanc of Canes Country. I'll work on that with yeah, you. Uh, is uh, here on the uh, Canes Corner podcast. All right, so let's talk about Stephen Lorenz because you're hot to talk about Stephen Lorenz. And I think no, there I'm is... Well, hot look, to talk about it, but you noticed the same thing I did. I think there's something to it because mm-hmm. if you noticed, Stephen Lorenz was in the bubble and he was in the bubble for a reason. Yep. Uh, not that he was necessarily going to play... But I think he was in the bubble because there are late bloomers all over the sport of hockey. And I'm not sure that Steven Lorenz doesn't fall into the category of late bloomer and somebody who has become part of a team's plans. Uh, so yep. I think I think the, the fact that it's a two-year deal already, uh, I think is telling. Yeah. I think it absolutely is, and and to uh, to steal a phrase from from uh, Paul Maurice, and good for him, uh, because <laughs> seventh round picks don't generally make it. Um, you know the Pavel Dotsuks of the world, notwithstanding. Right. Um, and and he's already twenty. He's already twenty four. So it's not like like you said. I mean, it's not like he's you know fresh out of juniors or fresh out of college. I mean, he spent four years in college, and then uh, and then join the organization uh, and he's played his way into this contract. There's no question. He was impressive at training camp last year. Uh, there's a reason. I mean, he was, I, I saw Patrick Williams uh, who covers the AHL for NHL.com called him the most improved player in the American hockey league last year. And for somebody that covers the AHL as closely as Patrick does uh, to get that kind of praise is telling. Um, yeah, there's, there's something here and I think it's to it's to Lorenz's credit that he you know took the opportunity and ran with it, but it's to the Hurricanes' credit that they identified it in the first place and are in a position to be able to offer him a two-year deal. 
So, you know, good all around. I think that he's, you know, he's, he's never going to be a, you know, top line scorer or anything like that, but you've got to have those, you know, those depth players in your system. And I think that, you know, as the Martinooks and McGinn's and guys like that start to age out or move on or price themselves out or whatever, and, you know, not saying that's going to happen right away, but I think there's, you know, I think there's every chance in the world that Steve Lorenz is on this roster part-time this year and maybe even full-time next year. McGinn's contract is up at the end of this year. So, you know, who's to say they don't just let him go and replace him with a cheaper version, which is exactly what Lorenz would be. Yes. Uh, Lorenz is also, he's big, 6'4". Uh, yep. So they don't have a lot of size. I and I had conversation with the uh, with the owner. I don't know if you know who he is, Tom Dundon. Uh, I've heard. Yeah. Yes. So I had a conversation with him uh, about a month before the draft, and I was just commenting that, man, everybody in the draft is small. He goes, yeah, but it doesn't matter anymore because you don't need you don't need size. I mean, I think there is something to that. He can, obviously, we can all look at Braden Point. Somebody is about 5'10", uh, and understand that, yeah, yes. <laughs> His five ten, he's standing on a box, right? Well, whatever, whatever he is, it ain't holding him back. Uh, of course, you uh, you don't find Brayton points all over the place. Uh, no. So, but the Hurricanes don't have a ton of size. Uh, no. So it's really good uh, that somebody who has developed into uh, a piece that they believe is part of their future, and I think this uh, speaks to that. Uh, it's good that somebody has some size. So I mean, thank heaven for for small favors. Well, let me let me say this about when about what Tom said about not needing size. I think that there's probably a, a distinction that doesn't get brought up enough, and that is you don't need size to score goals in the NHL anymore. You don't have to be Todd Bertuzzi. You don't have to be Thomas Holmstrom. You don't have to be these you know big not necessarily plotters but you know guys that may not skate the best that just plant themselves in front of the net and score 25 goals off of tips every year you don't have to be big to score goals but there still is a place for size in the nhl and what i think a guy like lorenz brings is the element that size still does help in this league it's not necessarily the power forward type but it's the grinded out you know, win plays along the boards, grind the other team down, tire them out so that then your skill guys who size doesn't matter quite as much anymore. And Tom's right about that can get on the ice against a tired unit and do some damage. That's where, that's where size comes into play in today's game, I think. And, you know, it's, it's a very specific role, uh, but it's a role that the hurricanes as a team have kind of embraced that hardworking, hard for checking tough to play against, difficult to knock off the puck type game and size still does matter there. It's going to be a lot harder just by virtue of the fact that they're six inches different to knock Steven Lorenz off the puck right. than it will be to, to knock, um, you know, Tavo Teravainen off the puck. He's not a small guy, but he's not six, four. No, he's not. He's, uh, so that's, he's about five eleven, but that's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but that you know the the type of game that the Hurricanes play, there still is a place for that. Not necessarily at the skill positions. You don't have to have size to score goals, but you need to have size because it you know further down the lineup, those are the those are the guys that are going to make the other team work for possessions and tire them out, and then get your skill guys on 
to you know reap the benefits once they get once they get the next shift. And the truth is, is that Lorenz probably profiles as a bottom six uh, forward or a center. Maybe yeah. he's a center by trade, I guess. Uh, Geeky probably is in the middle. Uh, maybe is uh, his highest upside is as a two center, probably more as a three. Yeah, uh, and and but he's got decent size. He just needs to fill out, and we also we all know that Natchez at some point is likely going to be back in the middle, and I don't think size is going to be his problem. Uh, no. He already looked this past year as a uh, as a rookie, and this was his rookie year technically. Uh, that he was already starting to fill out. My guess is that he'll probably put another ten to fifteen pounds of muscle on uh, in this offseason, however long it goes on. Uh, and we'll see a bigger and I think a better Martin Natchez. I th- I think he'll take a similar step forward, uh, albeit relatively speaking, as Andrei Svechnikov did. Uh, yeah. So I think you can expect Natchez to be in the oh fifty point range, give or take twenty five goals uh, next year. And he wasn't quite to that point, but he was close. Uh, but I think you'll see Natchez take a step forward. I think more than anything, maybe even more than the points, uh, I think he'll just be a, a more consistent player because what happened this year was there were pockets, there were weeks at times where he simply disappeared, where he was yep. invisible invisible on the ice, and they need him. He's, I mean, he's a second-line right wing at this point. Uh, they're going to need him to be a force. They need that second line to be noticeable every night. Um, yeah. And again, you go back to the the Boston series where they lost in five. Uh, to me, the difference in the series was that David Krejci centered the second line, and that and he was their best player in the entire series. Uh, you know, some of that came on the power play, but Krejci was awesome at even strength. And then you get to guys like uh, Andre Kasha, who was he didn't score any goals, uh, but he created tons of chances. Or maybe Krejci could created those chances for him, but. That second line was dangerous every night. Carolina's second line, uh, for the most part, disappeared. What do you think? Brian LeBlanc is with us from Kane's Country. What do you think about what they did or did not do, really, in goal? Do you, uh, are you comfortable with what they've got? Uh, Peter Morazic, James Reimer, and Alex Nedeljkovich in the crease. Um, ooh, that's a... That's a very short question that does not have a short answer. Right. Which lends itself well to two people who don't edit themselves well. So here we are. What are, you, are, you, um, are you saying I run a, I, I, I foam with the mouth? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? I believe the fifth. Okay. Um, Can't believe that. I like, let's start with this. I think that Peter and James, the, <laughs> like, like I named the apostles, um, deserve, to come back on the basis of what they did last year. That doesn't mean to say that if there wasn't an upgrade available, they shouldn't have gone after it. But I don't think that either of them was necessarily the problem, the problem, like the singular problem is an upgrade possible. Yeah. You could upgrade on their, on their performance last year, but given what financial constraints they're going to be under because of the state of the world right now, and the fact that they've got two pretty big contracts coming down the road and are, you know, getting much bigger in the much bigger in the dashboard every day that goes by. Right. Uh, I can understand staying out of a bidding war. I, I I found it interesting that Elliot Friedman said 
that the Hurricanes apparently were in on Jacob Markstrom. Um, I don't think that they, I don't think there's any way they would have gone to six years. I don't, I don't even know that they would have felt comfortable with five. Um, where I think the Hurricanes really need to address their goaltending is behind their, their eyes that Nadelkovich didn't get much of a chance last year because yeah. of the, you know, the pandemic kind of shut everything down right when he would have gotten the chance. Um, but it's time, it's, it's time to fish or cut bait on him. Um, you know, I, I, I have this feeling that he's going to wind up as one of the best goalies in a, maybe not in AHL history, but certainly within recent history. I just don't have confidence that that's going to translate to the NHL. And at this point, he's 26, I want it, 25, 26, something. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, I realize the goalies take a while, but I think you kind of, at some point, you've got to draw the line. And where I'm concerned is, you know, what's the plan beyond this year? Because both goalies' contracts are up at the end of this year. Um, you know, the Hurricanes have re signed Mrazic once, and I don't doubt that they would do it again given the opportunity. Um, but I think this was kind of the year where if they really wanted to make, a, you know, make a splash in the goalie market, they could have. But at the rates that some of these guys were going, I mean, Holtby, I think, probably would have made sense at what he signed for in Vancouver. But is Holtby cooked? I mean, maybe not, maybe not completely cooked, but he wasn't the same guy at all last year. Right. Um, I'm not 100% sure he's going to be the guy in Vancouver. I think there's every bit of a chance that Demko outplays him. Thatcher Demko. Yeah. Yes, I love my favorite name in hockey, by the way. Uh, it's it's not Hayden Hockey. I'm disappointed. No, um, I, I love Thatcher Demko is such a great name. <laughs> Actually, Thatcher Dem- Thatcher Demko is not a goalie. Thatcher Demko is an indie band. Yeah, it's no, an that's, in- that's the, I have I McKen- have Thatcher Demko's Blackwood first album. Like Mackenzie Blackwood would like a word, but anyway, um, Mackenzie Blackwood is a character from like an '80s nighttime soap opera. No, he's a Bond villain. He's absolutely a Bond could villain. Be. Yeah, it could be a Bond girl. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood could be a Bond girl. Stop. Um, I'm okay with uh, with how the goalie carousel kind of settled down. I think the Hurricanes probably made the prudent decision to come back with the two guys they started with. Um, if Mark Andre Fleury again becomes available, and that's something that the Hurricanes you know, want to take on that contract and, you know, buy an upgrade that way, then maybe. But I don't really see Marc-Andre Fleury, based on what we saw last year, as being, you know, head and shoulders above either of the guys that the Hurricanes had. And, you know, if you end up signing him, you're going to, or if you end up trading for him, you're going to have to move one of those guys out. So what are you really accomplishing? I don't think there's there's really any point to it. Um, and then the other guys that, that went elsewhere, you know, you've got the, um, you know, Robin Leonard. Obviously, the Hurricanes have been linked to him forever. Right. But he took himself off the market before free agency even started. And uh, and the one that I that I think people probably dismissed a little bit too much out of hand was Corey Crawford. I thought that he would, especially on that deal, I could see the Hurricanes making that deal for Corey Crawford. Because sure. he has not been the problem in Chicago the no. last few years, a long shot. 
um, he would be an upgrade. And the fact that he went to New Jersey, I think, makes New Jersey better. And I think that had he come to Carolina, he would have made the Hurricanes better. Um, now, again, you're still looking at incremental improvements. And, you know, is an incremental improvement in goal going to win the Hurricanes the Stanley Cup? Probably not. So if, it's, if an incremental improvement is just going to end up costing you more money and doesn't get you any further, then what's the point of making that, you know, making that move? Just go with what you've got. You know, keep your fingers crossed and and hope maybe you've got something in uh, Kachetkov a few years down the road. But, you know, trying to predict goalies is voodoo. I mean, a lot of people have said it and it's true. So and we learned that all too well here a few years ago. So there's no reason to spend money for the sake of spending money. Um, I think that they are they're comfortable with what they have. Um, Could they have improved? Yeah. Would it have been worth the money? probably not depending on who it was, but I think it's, you know, the fact that you're even asking the question uh, kind of presupposes the answer, I think. So I think it's probably the right move uh, that they stayed out of that carousel and didn't just throw money at somebody to fix a problem that wasn't as much of a problem as a lot of people thought it was last year. All right. Here's my, uh, my two cents on the goaltending. Uh, I thought the goaltending in the playoffs and the bubble was ec- was excellent. I thought they had the better goaltending in every game except the first one uh, against the Rangers. I thought Lungfist played great in game one, uh, and the Hurricanes had the better goalie in every single other game they played. Uh, it was not the reason they lost, although we all understand that James Reimer making that decision against uh, Boston in the third period of game four. Uh, sort of got the ball rolling, so to speak. And then the inexplicable goal before the end of the second period uh, in game five that uh, Patrice Bergeron scored from behind the goal line. Uh, yep. That you just, that can't happen. Uh, you can't but, do that. but I thought Peter Morazic and James Ryman you know were what? great in the playoffs. Find me, find me a goalie that doesn't have a brain fart every once in a while. Right. Uh, the, there are times when you can have one. And there are yeah. times when you can't. Oh, look, I am not faulting either guy. I thought Morazic no. and Reimer were great. They were among the three stars of the game basically every night that they played. Goaltending will was not the not problem. To, Go ahead. Not to not to excuse it away, but how many players in the NHL score that Bergeron goal? Well, five, I, I, maybe. It's not a. Have it, a it's a great time to be able to do that, knowing what the clock is. And knowing where the goalie is. It's a great play. There's not many guys that have the presence of mind to score that goal. Run through the tape. Right? Don't run to the tape. Don't run to the finish line. Run through the finish line. Regardless, yeah. I'm, I'm setting that aside. Setting that aside, Brian. It's fine. I, right. I'm not faulting uh, Morazic. I'm not faulting Reimer. Uh, but I think we all agree that when it comes down to it, Reimer and Morazic are good goaltenders. Mm-hmm. If, if the Hurricanes could upgrade... I would be more than willing to do so. But I also do not think that the Hurricanes are better goaltending away from being one of the elite teams in the East. I don't look at Carolina like that. Uh, and I would not, to me, it was not a priority in this, uh, wasn't a priority in the draft, wasn't a priority in the offseason uh, in terms of free agency or a trade. However, let me float this for you. Because I'm okay if they go into the season and they've got 
Mrazek and Reimer and Nedeljkovic as the trio, and I think Nedeljkovic will get some uh, chances. And I personally believe that one of the goaltenders will get moved. I think James Reimer's cash this year is only about $850,000. Yeah, it's not much. Most of it was So I believe he will probably be a very attractive trade piece to somebody who is looking for a backup goalie. Uh, But we're looking at a year where we're going to have a high concentration of games Uh, Mm -hmm. because they're going to, they're not going to play 82 because I don't think they're going to start January one. There's no right. Right. But they're going to play, they're going to play 60 something. They're going to play 64, or they're going to play 66. 60 if we're lucky. I, I think the number's going to end up being somewhere in the 50s, and I don't I don't feel great about them getting if, to 60. If they start the season, if they start yeah. the season, forget, not, forget about January 1. If they start the season January 15, which I think is a reasonable guess uh, when they start the season, I actually think if you could start at February 1, that'd be fine. Uh, yep. February, March, April, May. Four seasons, four months to play 16 games per month. That takes you to 64 games. And ultimately, I think they're going to play a 64-game season. But you see the concentration. You're going to play four games every seven days. So teams are going to need three goaltenders, not two. They're going to need three. So I do think that I can see Carolina keeping not three goaltenders active on the NHL roster, uh, but three goaltenders uh, on a regular basis. Uh, but what if they traded, and I think they were apparently shopping Mrazek to Edmonton at one point uh, this offseason, uh, or maybe Edmonton was inquiring uh, about well, Mrazek. Decided to Mike Smith again. So. I don't understand okay. why. How Mike Smith is like, uh, wh- wh- who is the guy? He's like the uh, Josh McCown of, uh, of, the, of, oh, yeah. of the NHL. Uh, I don't get Mike Smith. So if if I were offered, let's put it this way. What if they traded for Darcy Kemper? If I were offered Peter Mrazek and I said, no, thanks. We're going to go sign Mike Smith. Yeah. I mean, what doesn't make sense to me? No. All right. And Smith's no good. And that's the other part that doesn't make sense to me. But what if the hurricanes traded for Darcy Kemper from Arizona? Sure. I mean, I made I made the point that I thought they they should give up a first rounder for Darcy Kemper. I wouldn't give up a first rounder for any for they're they're not giving up a first round pick for Darcy Kemper. No, no, I don't think they are. And you know, we're kind of we're, we're kind of past that point at this point. It's you know, they're not. But what give if up they traded for Darcy Kemper? Because I think Arizona's got to dump a goalie. They have yeah, to, they have to shed salary. They do, and I mean, they, Kemper's been mentioned. Um, I think it's. Notable that he hasn't been moved yet, obviously. Um, that seems like it would make a lot of sense. He's under contract for a few more years, so that solves that problem. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's this year and next year. He's got two years left in a deal. Right. Well, that's one more than either of the guys they have under contract right, right now. So you could move Reimer out there for mm-hmm. Darcy Kemper. The cap, the, the cap liability is just an additional million dollars. Right. It's not the worst I, thing in the world, and Kemper's a good goalie. No, Kemper's young. Now, Kemper is the type of guy that would be a a notable upgrade over the guys that they have. Right. So, yeah, I make that move. Sure. I'm glad uh, sold. Let's. Uh, no, you and I are on the same team. We can't. Uh, we can't <laughs> actually execute. 
uh, that trade. All right. Oh, let's uh, let's do uh, one more thing before we get out of here. Hey, one, thing, one other thing to keep in mind, by the way, is that uh, Ned's going to have to clear waivers this year. Uh, this is last year. Was so they last keep three goalies. What? So they keep three goalies if they have to. And maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, you're play. You're going to play four games a week. Yeah. Well, that's but that's that's my point though. I think that you know the chances of Ned getting through waivers this year specifically when goalies are going to be taxed is probably lower than it would be in a normal year. Right. So you. So that's why you you're ultimately going to keep three goal. I think a lot of teams are going to end up keeping three goalies, especially yeah. if they're going to play four games a week. And I will be surprised that the NHL does not try to play four games a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Ned's under a one way contract right. this year. Yeah. But it's so. a cheap deal. It's a $750,000. Well, yeah. So, you know, but I mean, that's still, that's still money that they otherwise wouldn't have. To, I mean, like last year he was on a two way deal. So he didn't have to pay him as much when he was in. Right. The you're, you're paying it in the, uh, whether he's in the minors or whether he's in the NHL, you're paying him. Exactly. He yeah. gets he gets his cash either way. All right, let's uh, yep. let's close on number fourteen. Um, all right, just a broad Justin Williams discuss Brian LeBlanc. Uh, well, what what can be say that hasn't been said? I'm a great guy, uh, great to talk to. Um, you know. Uh, you talk about guys that lead by example, and I think he's on page one of that uh, that page on Wikipedia, um, alongside his coach, for the record. Right. Um, you know, Justin Justin came a long way in his career, and God, this feels this feels so weird talking about Justin Williams in the in the past tense. Does it, it make you feel old? Well, and here's the thing: Justin just turned thirty nine. He did uh, a couple. He is exactly what exactly days ago one, today. No, uh, 10 days 11, ago yesterday. Yeah. 11 days ago. He is exactly to the day, one month older than me. So as long as he was playing and he was with the hurricanes, I was not older than everyone in the locker room. And I truly appreciated that. And I made sure to let him know that I appreciated that. Um, he came to the hurricanes at a time they needed him. It wasn't, you know, they, they needed him to fill a role, but more specifically, they needed Justin Williams to be here. And Rod needed, you know, Rod needed Justin in his first year, even though that was Justin's second year with the Hurricanes. But as a first-time head coach, I think that Rod and, you know, I, we both talked to him about this. He would go out and say, yeah, Justin is a big part of the reason why that year was as successful as it was. Yeah. Because, you know, Justin's kind of a coach on the bench at this, you know, at this point in his career. Everybody respects him. Everybody knows what he brings to the table. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, is, he's as well-liked and as, as highly respected as any player I've covered, maybe including Rod. And Rod's the only one I think that I've covered that comes close. Um, he just has the, he had the presence and he had the leadership qualities, which I know is kind of a nebulous term, but you know what I mean? Um, and that was something that the hurricanes desperately, desperately needed and good on Ron Francis for recognizing it and bringing him in good on, uh, on Rod for fixing the error and making him captain. Sure. And 
frankly, good on Justin for understanding that his role here was not necessarily to score goals and to, you know, check the opposition into the ground, but to show a team that was very young what needs to happen to be successful. And mission accomplished. He did exactly what he was asked of to do. And I don't think the Hurricanes would have had the success that they've had the last couple of years without him kind of showing him the way. Because without him, you know, without him and Jordan Stahl, there's not a whole lot in that locker room that's had a ton of NHL success. And knowing that you have that sort of person, that sort of resource in the locker room goes a long way. And you can see it in the growth of guys' games. You can see it in the growth of Sebastian Ajo's game over the last three years. Yeah. I don't think he becomes the leader that he's become without the influence of Justin Williams. So his influence on this team is going to go way deeper, I think, than any stat line will tell you that um, he's he is one of a kind. And the Hurricanes needed him, and he gave them what they needed. And that's well done by everyone. Yeah, it's, uh, the last few of, uh, of these podcasts that I've done, uh, th- there's been uh, a moment in them uh, you know, either me talking about the head coach and what he has meant to this organization uh, or John Forslund talking about what he has meant to this mm-hmm. organization. Uh, I'm going to tell a story about the uh, the playoff the, the two years ago when they made the playoffs for the first time in 10 years in a second. Uh, but uh, to me, Justin Williams is among the most important hurricanes of all time when you make a list i mean again you look at his his statistics do not scream hall of fame 320 goals just less than 800 points i mean he's like in the 180s in points scored in his career that does not oh man got to put that guy in a hall of fame um but there's so much more to justin williams than just goals and assists uh -hmm. and by the way rod rod says that Justin, it might have been his best year in the entire in his entire career last year, when he had twenty three goals and thirty assists, uh, as the team had that amazing second half run to the playoffs. And this is where I'm going to tell the story, because you talked about leadership and understanding what needed to be done or said. Uh, and yes, Bill Peters screwed up. It was Peter, Peter's ego that did not want to allow Justin Williams to get any credit if that team was able to make the playoffs and snap that drought. Peters wanted everybody to know that it was Bill that got that team over the hump, not Justin and leadership. So he he, he didn't even give Justin a letter. Forget about uh, the captain's yeah. C. He didn't even get an A. Uh, but in the uh, late in the season, in uh, the 18-19 season, Hurricanes had already played their way, maybe not inside the line, but pretty much right at it. They had played their way back into the mix. But they had done it against a relatively softish schedule. I mean, you, all the points count, and you got you got to pile up points when you can. Um, and it was, I think we were all still kind of, I wonder if this is just a product of the schedule or if they're legitimately good. They were playing great. And they had a home game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I actually think they were inside the line already. Uh, but it was still obviously very tenuous because they didn't cl- they didn't clinch at all until game 81. Uh, but they're, uh, you know, they have a home game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they blow a late lead. 
And they outplayed Tampa for basically 55 minutes and lost the game. And I go into the locker room, and in a lot of cases, you expect to hear, uh, you know, played uh, played good, sucks, we, uh, we, we blew it at the end. You, you expect a lot of, and I heard this from Jeff Skinner, you take the positives out of it and you move on. Um, yeah, yeah. And nobody ever takes the positives out of those things. It's just something that you say. But Justin Williams, after the game, was angry. Not just the fact that they lost the game, but they were playing against the 129-point Tampa Bay Lightning. That was the one of the best regular seasons we've ever seen from anybody. They were a juggernaut. And yep. the Hurricanes were better than them in that game. And they blew it. And, I know where this you know, If you've never heard the story, you need to keep listening because right. it's worth it. And Williams, rather than credit them for playing with and playing better than the best team in the league, uh, we proved we could play with this team, blah, 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 blah. I mean, he just let loose with we pissed it away, we've got to learn. Blah, and he was angry after the game. And, mm-hmm. and that stuck with me, and I think I have probably talked about this uh, uh, 50 times uh, it, t- toward the end of last year. And to me, that was the turning point. when, Because he wasn't saying that to us. He was saying that to the other 19 guys in their dressing room. Uh, because they needed to know, and it wasn't a speech that he had to give them. He was telling them through us that, it ain't enough to make the playoffs. It ain't enough to squeak in as the eight. We're good enough, and we can't, and we'll never get to where we want to be if we think that's good enough. If we think just playing with the second, the best team in the league, uh, even though they did get beaten in the first round of the playoffs, uh, if if we think that's good enough, that ain't it. And yep. to to me, that epitomized leadership and and recognition that you cannot settle for just being good enough. And nope. when when I remember standing in front of Williams when that happened and thinking that right there was a moment. And I think that's the day in a loss when the Hurricanes became a contender. Uh, yep. And that 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 was I will never forget that day. We um we did a story on Kane's country last week. I think the, the days all run together. It might have been earlier this week. I don't know. Um, where we kind of went around and uh, and talked about our memories of Justin and um, that was Andrew Schnitker's uh, was his story was his entry uh, was that was that game um, and yeah to hear that and just hear the anger yeah and Justin Justin is a relatively even keeled guy he's passionate. And he's, you know, forceful when he needs to be. But it's rare to see Justin Williams visibly angry. And Williams was hot uh, to the point that Andrew remembers uh, Mike Sondheim uh, standing next to Justin uh, and and saying, "Okay, guys, uh, we need a question here because everybody was so, you know, they weren't intimidated, but they could just tell that one word the wrong way and the volcano was going to erupt. And. It never, it never did. But I mean, he was just spitting fire that night. And I'll, I'll use this to tell, uh, and I'll end on this uh, with Justin. 
my entry in that was um, Justin is, I don't want to say he's a difficult guy to talk to, but he, we know that Justin makes everybody better at their job, right? Yeah. Including the media. Um, Justin, when you would go up to him, there are guys that you can go up to in the locker room and ask a, you know, a, a half-baked question that you don't really think about. You're just expecting one of those cliched answers. You mentioned the Jeff Skinner. Yeah, we just put it in our, you know, put it away and worry about the next game so, and so forth. And every team has those guys. They're useful. They have their, their place. And Justin was never one of those guys. And if you went up to him with one of these questions that's just like, so, Justin, uh, talk about what happened in the right. third period. Uh, he would give you an answer. But it would be, he would just kind of look at you like, you need to do more preparation than that. Um, you need, to, you know, I expect more out of the guys in here, and I expect it out of all of you too. But if you ask Justin a question that obviously had some thought behind it, or that you were trying to probe one specific thing and made it worth his time, he made it worth your time to ask that question. Because the answers that he gave on those kinds of questions, far none, are the best answers that a reporter can get. And that's that's the that's the legacy to me of Justin is he makes everybody better at their job. And no matter what your role is, you will be better at it crossing paths with Justin Williams. Justin's never going to be a you know TV pundit. He's probably never going to be a newspaper reporter. But he knew that, you know, he expected, he expected people who dealt with him to not mail it in and, you know, just try to go for the easy, you know, the low hanging fruit, so to speak. And so you couldn't with Justin because he wouldn't give you the, you know, he wouldn't give you an answer you were looking for if you didn't give him the respect of a question that you had actually thought through and not just kind of spilled it out of your mouth. And I, you know, I, I made a point to tell him I really appreciate the fact that you made me a better reporter by making me think through what I'm going to ask and make sure that, you know, what I'm asking is, you know, a, a question worthy of exploration and not just here's a microphone. Give me something. Right. Because I'm not entitled to something from you. I've got to work for it the same way you work for it. And no matter what role you had, Justin made you work for it. And that makes everybody better at their job. I think uh, J Justin also had the ability, and not all interview subjects, I'll just use that, because I don't think it's just athletes. Um, he answered your question. It was mm -hmm. not, It was not. all right, you asked me about the third period. Uh, I, I, I'm going to spit forth uh, whatever. You know, he answered your question. Yeah. So, yes, you yeah. had to ask... Uh, the question, a, a good question. Otherwise, you were not going to necessarily get a great answer. Uh, yep. And I would say that about 50% of the time I asked a good question, uh, if, <laughs> if, if that high, because uh, locker yep. room settings are not the easiest thing in the world to do. And sometimes you're good and sometimes you suck. Uh, and I always sucked for Ron Hainsey and I always sucked for uh, for Ray Whitney. Uh, but and it's not like Justin didn't recognize that either. I mean, you know, he knew when I sucked. Yeah. Enough times to know that people are going to have bad days and he gets it. Uh, look, um, I, I've, I've, I spent a lot of time talking to Justin. I remember when he walked in the locker room, uh, the first time after the trade from Philadelphia, 
for uh, for Danny Markoff, by the way, Hurricanes fans. Uh, and I remember when this 24-year-old kid uh, walked into the locker room and he was he looked a lot different than he does now, uh, mm-hmm. but he was a good player then. Uh, and you could tell that he was exactly what the Hurricanes needed then. And uh, however many years later, uh, he walked back into the Hurricanes' lives and he really changed the franchise. He wanted to make the Hurricanes relevant again. Uh, and I think he took ownership of it, even though he wasn't the uh, the captain of that team. Uh, but he took yep. ownership of it and he made the franchise every bit as much his uh, as it possibly could be, and when uh, when it's all said and done, fourteen goes upstairs next yep. to seventeen and ten and two, and I assume twelve and thirty will also be in the rafters. I think you know my my criteria for Hall of Fame slash retiring numbers is: can you tell the story of X without this guy? And I don't. I, I know you can't tell the story of the Carolina Hurricanes without Justin Williams, uh, part one or part two, um, and so there's no question that the four teams go into the rafters. I don't think you can tell the story of the National Hockey League without Justin Williams. Interesting. Points, uh, what? Interesting. I mean, I think he's a. I think I, I think he's a he's a borderline Hall of Famer. No, I don't. I don't necessarily think he's going to get in. Uh, because obviously my my criteria is probably different than a lot of other people's criteria. But I don't think you can tell the story of the NHL. And I know Justin hates the nickname, and I'm not going to use it, but we know what it is. Um, well, he doesn't have to without, like it, but it's true. Yeah, no, he may not like it, but it's true. He is Mr. Game 7. He is, he is as clutch as clutch comes. And he won two Stanley Cups with the Kings, plus one with the Hurricanes. Um, He led the Hurricanes back to the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. He was the guy that scored the empty netter to clinch the Stanley Cup, the first one he won. I don't think you can tell the story of the National Hockey League without Justin Williams. 15 points in Game 7 is an NHL record. Yeah, I don't think you can tell that story without him, and I think that makes him a Hall of Famer. I think I'm going to be in the minority on that, but I think he. I, I if it. I had a vote, would be in. I think I think there are a lot of people who believe he's going to be in, uh, and I think Rod Brindamore will be in in the next. Uh, I'm going to say within two years, Rod Brindamore will uh, will go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Brian LeBlanc from Kane's Country, uh, managing editor, wonderful guy, uh, but he does scare away additional uh, podcast guests. Uh, I do, but, but that's uh, that remains it will remain between us. I won't tell who uh, who bailed on us the last time, and I won't tell who bailed on us this time. Uh, I thank you oh, for your time, oh. sir. You got it, Adam. Anytime. Good talking to you. Well, we covered a lot of ground in the Canes Corner podcast. It rambled. I understand that, uh, but you didn't hate it. I didn't see uh, any of you uh, just sign off. Uh, I thank Brian LeBlanc from Canes Country. Uh, who knows what's uh, what's next on the Canes Corner podcast? Uh, we'll uh, we'll crank it up again when the Hurricanes make some roster news, uh, and I assume that they're not done. I don't think they look at the roster and see a finished product for next season. Uh, but 
Who knows when next season's going to begin? Again, I kind of think it'll be middle of January, middle to, middle of January to the beginning of February before they ultimately crank it all up. Uh, but I thank you very much for hanging out. It's brought to us by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, check it out at AluminumCompany.com. I am Adam Gold. This is the Canes Corner Podcast. See you later. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.